Hello, my name is Andrew Gomison, and it is my privilege to welcome you to the Speaking for Him podcast each and every week. I'm super excited that you've taken the time to listen, and I hope that you will be encouraged as you spend some time with us and that you are able to apply what you hear to this journey that we call the Christian life because we know that it is a marathon and not a sprint and we need each other. Well, I don't know how warm it is where you are, but where I am in the heart of West Michigan, it is cold. As I'm recording this, it is the coldest day of the year so far, and by the year I am including the beginning of winter at the end of last year to now, it is the coldest day of the winter, and so I am really looking forward to the warm-up next week, but my hope is that the content of today's podcast will warm your heart, even if the rest of you is chilly. So I'm going to let you know that today we are beginning a new series. And as I mentioned before, I'm hoping that my friend James will be joining us for at least some of these episodes. I have been contemplating for some time now the one another's of Scripture. Uh, it was mentioned at a sermon that I listened to several months back at our church, that there are a lot of mentions of one another in the scriptures. And so I started thinking then, how cool would it be to have a series that focused on some of those one another's? Uh, because there are one another's that repeat themselves, such as love one another and others. So I started thinking about how would I go about doing a series on this topic? Well, I was doing research on the web, and I came across an article on Desiring God, and that article is titled, The Art of One Anothering, How the Church Loves Like Christ, by Scott Hubbard. And I really, really resonated with this article as soon as I read it. And I'd like to share with you the beginning of that article right now. I was very blessed by the fact that Desiring God actually had Scott Hubbard read this article. And so the audio as well as the text is on the website. So here is the first couple minutes of this article. The Art of One Anothering. How the Church Loves Like Christ. Written and read by Scott Hubbard. I sometimes think I could be very holy if after doing my morning devotions, I just stayed in my room all day long. I find that patience, for example, comes easier by myself. Peace, too. I feel a general kindness and goodwill when I'm alone. I imagine myself ready to bear others' burdens. But then I leave my room and begin interacting with some of those others face to face. And before long, I wonder where my holiness went. Patience now feels fragile. Peace goes on the retreat. My theoretical kindness finds itself unprepared for real annoyances, and my shoulders seem too weak for real burdens. People, it turns out, have an irritating way of poking the spiritual fruit on my table only to reveal just how many of those apples and pears are plastic. I might prefer holiness to be a more private affair, a halo that hangs over my solitary head. But holiness, John Stott helpfully reminds me, is not a mystical condition experienced in relation to God, but in isolation from human beings. You cannot be good in a vacuum, but only in the real world of people. True holiness may begin between God and the soul, but it finds full expression in community with other people, other wonderful, glorious, frustrating, and sometimes offensive people. Which explains why, again and again, the New Testament describes the authentically holy life using two simple words, one another. So from that introduction, which captured me right away, the author goes through great detail, letting us know about several of the one another's in Scripture. 
And he divides them basically into six categories. And those categories are going to form the basis of the series that I'm starting with you today. And I'm really excited to dig into this. I think it's a good way to start 2024. And I hope that you will listen along as I have with so many other series on my podcast. These will be listed in their own separate playlist. So even if they don't happen consecutively, they will be available for you to listen to at your leisure in order and available for you to share with your family and friends completely free of charge. Of course, if you ever thought about donating to speaking for him, it would be a blessing to me if you did. It would be helpful in keeping the website and the audio storage service online. Um, I'm excited about some new changes coming to the website very shortly, so I'll be sure to pass those on when they are ready. But I'm just grateful to be able to provide this content to you, and I hope that it is a blessing to you as we move forward. So as we jump off into this discussion, I want to give full credit to Scott Hubbard and Desiring God for putting together such a wonderful article. I'm sure that it came from the heart of God because it certainly spoke to my heart about the importance of prioritizing these things as I live my Christian life. And I want to start out today by jumping off with a quote of the day. Our quote of the day comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And this may be a very familiar passage to you, but I I think that it is so important for us to revisit the familiar passages and to really take the time to contemplate them. So this is what the writer of Hebrews says in this passage. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as ye see the day approaching. And again, that's Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And as I have been growing up into hopefully a mature believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the things that I have realized is that I have a passion for exhorting the believers to live a life that is worthy of the gospel. That is one of the main thrusts of speaking for him, is to exhort the believers to live a life that will attract the lost to us because we are called to be the light of the world. And so what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is that we need to provoke one another unto love and to good works. What did Jesus say? He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. The purpose of our good works is to glorify our Father which is in heaven. Our good works don't get us to heaven. Our good works confirm that we have chosen heaven through Jesus Christ. And then it says that we should be exhorting one another and so much more as ye see the day approaching. You know, it can get discouraging to live a Christian life in a dark world that doesn't care for the things of Christ. So we need the exhortation of our fellow believers in order to survive, and not only to survive, but to thrive in the environment in which we are placed. We are called to be a light to the world, but in order to be a light to the world, we need to keep our torches burning, to keep the lanterns shining bright. And how do we do that? We do that through spending time in Scripture and spending time with others whose lights are burning bright for the glory of God. We are to be lights, as it says in Philippians, to a crooked and perverse generation. It is mentioned in this article, which forms the basis of this podcast series, that there are 50 plus times in which Jesus tells us in the New Testament to do, say, or act in a certain way toward one another. And as I said, in this article, the author split this off into six different 
subtopics or categories, and that's going to form the basis of this podcast series. We're going to look over them today, actually the first three, and the second three will be done probably next week, and then we will move on from there. Uh, But I am very excited for this series to commence. So let's start out with how we can consider one another and use these one another's to build not only ourselves, but to build a community of like-minded believers who are encouraging one another and indeed being lights to the world. The first topic that I want to discuss on this series is that we are to have the mind of Christ. Philippians 2, 5-8 reads, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." And again, that's Philippians 2, 5-8. And this is another very familiar passage to us, but I think it bears study and consideration. So Paul is saying, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And if you look at the verses ahead of this, you see that the mind that he is talking about is a mind that puts others before yourself. Paul says earlier in this chapter, let each consider others' needs better than themselves. That's a paraphrase, of course. But Paul is saying, how are you to know how to do that? Well, let me show you the example of Jesus, who decided at some point in eternity past to take on a human body and to sacrifice for us so that we could have salvation. He became a man so that he could sacrifice for us. I don't think we spend enough time contemplating that fact. It's so significant that in John chapter 17, Jesus says, Restore to me the glory that was mine before the world was. Jesus is thinking back to the time before the creation of the world when he was sitting in perfect harmony with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit uh, before earth was created. And at that time... Before the foundations of the world, God the Father said to Jesus, Are you willing to sacrifice for the creation because they will fall? And Jesus said yes. We don't know exactly how that conversation took place. We just know that he was willing to go to the greatest length to show us how much he loved us. He said, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And then he said, You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. But he goes a step further, because we know that in Romans chapter 5 it says, While we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And also, that God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he goes a step further than he is talking about in John chapter 15 because while we were yet enemies with God, he drew us to himself. What a wonderful truth that is. And we can learn so much about how we should daily interact with others from the example of Jesus. And then we read, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And again, 1 Corinthians two fourteen to 16 And I want you to really pay attention, especially to this first verse, when it says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. You know, so many people say, I used to be a Christian, but I'm not anymore. But what they don't understand is that you cannot become a Christian 
until the Holy Spirit of God intercedes and shows you your need for himself. This is a work of the Spirit. It does not happen through the natural man because the natural man can't comprehend spiritual things. So the very fact that you and I are able to comprehend spiritual things is a gift of God. And I think it's important for us to realize that because there's so many people walking around today that think that Christianity is just an intellectual exercise, that it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things what you believe or who you believe and that there's no power of God in it. The Christian life has an intellectual component for sure. We don't need to check our brains at the door to be a believer. But the reality is that unless you are touched by the Spirit of God, your Christianity is nothing. Because apart from God, we are all evil, and we don't seek after God according to Romans chapter 1. So we are endowed, when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit of God, and given the mind of Christ in so many different things, because of our faith and trust in him. Because he was willing to seek us. Remember, Jesus said, you can only come to me if the Father draws you to me. And so, yes, it is true that whoever believes on the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. But it is also true that God knows his, and that he will seek you out and find you so that you can receive him. Both of these truths are equally true, even if they are hard for us to comprehend. The next aspect of one anothering and considering one another, as we are calling this series, is to welcome others in Christ's name. In Romans chapter 15 we read, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. And that is Romans chapter 15, verses 5 to 7. In this passage, we see that God is a God of patience. There's another passage that says God is slow to anger and abounding in mercy. And aren't you glad that that's the case? I know I am, because I can be a very frustrating individual. Just ask my family. They will be glad to fill you in. But I serve a merciful God who loves me and has not given up on me over the almost 40 years that I have served him and followed him. Not always to the best of my ability, but again, he does not give up on me and his mercies are new every morning. And so then Paul calls upon us to receive others the way that Christ received us. So Christ has been patient with us, but so often we do not want to be patient with others. But if we consider the fact that God is merciful to everyone that calls upon him, and that none of us are above one another in God's eyes, that will help us to receive one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. And it speaks of unity because it says that we are to have one mind and one mouth and glorify God with these. The important thing to remember here is not to put ourselves first, but to put others first and to realize that God needs to have the preeminence in everything we do. If we focus on God, we realize that we all fall short and we all need him and that we can help each other by building each other up rather than putting each other down. But it is a human tendency to elevate ourselves at the expense of others. So we need to remember that and keep a close eye on the way that we are acting in this regard. 
so tough to do in some ways, but we must continually surrender to the Spirit of God. In 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter says this, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So as we are welcoming one another in Jesus' name, and we are letting people know that Jesus loves them and expressing that in a tangible way, Peter is telling us to be sober. So that means to think before we speak, um, to watch unto prayer, to pray that God will be with us as we make decisions, and to have fervent charity among ourselves, to be a people where love is present. Jesus said in another passage, they will know you are Christians by your love for one another. We often think of that in an outward way, that they'll know we're Christians by our love for them, and surely that there is truth to that. But the biggest thing that Jesus says is, we as Christians can show our love for Jesus by the way we love one another. And if we love one another well, we can be an instrument in persuading people that maybe they want to be a part of this loving community too. And then we read, use hospitality one to another without grudging. We need to be cheerful givers. We need to look for opportunities to give. And we need to ask God to give us wisdom in what and how to give. But we need to be known as a giving people. And then it says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If you are given a gift particularly a spiritual gift, it is given so that you can be a steward of the grace of God and so that you can bless other people with it. And so my encouragement to you would be to seek God for wisdom on your spiritual gifts and to use them to bless one another. God gives us all gifts for a purpose. And then we have a final passage in this category, um, and it is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 to 19, and it's kind of a lengthy passage, but I think it's important, and it says, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who are sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who hath made both one, and broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in the flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the Christ, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by the Spirit Unto the Father. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And so, this is Paul just saying that we were afar off, that Christ brought us nigh by the blood of Christ, and he broke down the middle wall of partition that was between us. He comes to bring unity and he says that we are all one in Christ. You know, since 2020 in particular and even somewhat before that, there has been a great racial divide in our country. And it's been a grief to my mind because someone's external race is not important. The reality is that the same God 
made all of us. And that if you cut us open, our blood runs the same color. The races are simply an expression of God's divine creativity. And I just think it's sad that it has become a dividing point for so many. The blood of Christ brought us near to him for the purpose of unity. And we could not fulfill the law, but he fulfilled the law for us. He abolished in the flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinance is. And he made in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he may reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And then he came and preached peace. So we see in these first two aspects of the one another's and the things that he has called us to do through these passages is that we are to have the mind of Christ and we are to welcome others in Christ's name. We should have the same compassion and love for others that Christ showed. He spent time with people. This is one reason why my friendships are so important to me, because Jesus was all about prizing individuals, giving them individual attention, and never seeing anything as an interruption. It's so interesting that in the Bible you will see some interruptions, that people see our interruptions and and they get annoyed, but Jesus knows about them, and he doesn't see them as interruptions. When the disciples were trying to keep the children away from Jesus because they thought that he had much more important things to do, he said, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. When the woman with the issue of blood approached Jesus and touched the hem of his garment, he said, Who touched me? Knowing very well that potentially hundreds of people were touching him. But he wanted an acknowledgement from the woman with the issue that she had reached out in faith to touch him because she knew that he could heal her where everything else over the many years that she suffered had failed. So we see in Jesus someone who welcomes others. So we have these first two aspects of having the mind of Christ and being welcoming to others. And as we wrap up our show today... We look at the third aspect, uh, which is to share Christ's words. Christ has so many good things for us to share, and the things that our Master has to say are the things that we should be bringing forth. And that is really the basis for the Speaking for Him podcast, is because I know that God has called me to share a message of hope with you, the listener. And so I do my best each and every time I get behind this microphone to share with you a message of hope. Even when we do the Culture Watch podcast, the purpose behind it is to say, even when bad things are happening around us, we still have the hope of Christ. So the third uh, aspect is to share Christ's Words And we see here a couple very important passages. The first one being from Colossians 3. He says this, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as... Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, 
do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And that is Colossians 3, 12 to 17. And we see in here enough aspects to really do a whole podcast series just based on this passage. But what we are seeing in this passage is Paul saying, if you are the elect of God, if you are the person who is following the Lord Jesus, this is what should characterize you. If God has shown you that you are beloved by him, you need to have bowels of mercy. You need to be kind. You need to be humble. You need to be meek and long-suffering. You need to have patience and forbear with one another. You need to be forgiving. Uh, And it says, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So we have this idea of forgiveness once again. If we realize how great a debt has been forgiven us by the Lord Jesus, it really shows us how much easier it is to forgive others. And it is a hard thing. I'm not going to say it isn't. But when you look at it through the eyes of what Jesus has forgiven you for, then it really comes into focus. And then we see love being an important aspect. We saw this in another passage already earlier in the episode. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. So if we love others, and that characterizes us, then it will give us peace, and it will also give us thankfulness. These things will come out of the heart of love, which God is telling us to embrace. And then we see, let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in order, do you do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So we are supposed to encourage one another. We're supposed to let the word of God dwell in us. Uh, Jesus said that the things that um, are in a man's heart will come out of a man's heart through his lips. Um, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so we need to make sure that we put good in our hearts so that good uh, comes out. You've probably heard the analogy of the the coffee cup uh, that uh, struggle does not make uh, bad things come out of your life. Struggle doesn't make frustration come out of your life. But if that's what's in your life, that's what's going to come out when you get jostled. Whatever's in the cup is what comes out when you get jostled. In the physical world, if you have coffee in the cup, then coffee is what's going to come out. So the world will jostle you. The question is, what is going to come out of you when you get jostled? And this passage is telling us if we let the word of God dwell on us richly, if we have love for one another, then we will have peace. And if we do everything in order or deed to the glory of God, then we can be blessed and rewarded along the way. And so this Colossians passage is just telling us to remember the words of Christ, to Keep the word of God within our hearts. Remember, Jesus gives us this example of the importance of memorizing scripture when he's in the wilderness with the devil and he keeps repeating the words of Deuteronomy to the devil to correct his errors. Because the devil is using scripture against Jesus, but then Jesus counters with the true interpretation and application of scripture and he's able to withstand that temptation. And I truly believe that he's giving us an example at that point to show us what to do in this situation. Then we have one final passage to share with you today, and it is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 where it says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, 
to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Here's another passage where peace is mentioned, and you can be at peace by seeking to edify people with your speech rather than tear them down. The passage continues, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So we see this passage again shows a pattern of if you put these things in your life, the fruits are going to come out. We are to be a comfort to one another, and we are to edify one another. There's another passage that I didn't write in my notes, but it's in Ephesians. It says, let your speech be such as edifies the listeners. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Very wise advice. But Paul is saying here, we're to comfort ourselves together. Again, the idea of unity is there. We're to edify one another. And Paul is saying to the Thessalonians, this has been a pattern of yours, but I want you to continue to do it. And sometimes we need to be reminded of the things that we are already doing so that we can continue to do them and bring honor and glory to the Lord. And then he says, for those that labor among you, meaning your spiritual leaders, Esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be grateful for the people that are over you in your churches and in other leadership positions who are seeking for your betterment in life and particularly in your Christian life. And then he says, be at peace among yourselves. There is nothing that will bring greater joy to someone who is leading you then that you can be at peace among yourselves and bring a spirit of harmony to whatever group or church you are a part of. It's so important. And then it says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. Let's look at these very quickly. We are to warn them that are unruly. You know, some people say that it's not loving to talk about sin or to call people on the carpet for the things that they are doing that are not pleasing to God. But this right here is telling us to warn the unruly. We are to comfort the feeble-minded. So maybe you are feeling weak, maybe you're feeling afraid, um, and it's my goal through this podcast and through my personal interactions to comfort you. And to bring peace to you because that is what God truly offers us. And we need to be reminded that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We are to support the weak. It can be tempting sometimes when someone isn't as far along on the spiritual journey as you are, or maybe I should say as you think you are, to think of them as less than. But Paul says a true believer supports the weak. A true believer cares about them and wants them to be the best they can be. And then it says, be patient toward all men. Again, we would like to be selective, wouldn't we? We would like to say, well, I'll be patient with this person because they've been patient with me, but that's not what this passage says. It says, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil, unto any man, but ever follow that which is good. Ever follow that which is good. And really, if you're honest, you will think back and realize that the most powerful acts of good 
are the acts of good that are in the face of evil. We can do so much by doing good to those who do evil to us. And I'm speaking to myself as much as I am to anyone else. I want you to know that about this aspect as well as about all the other aspects I mentioned today that I'm speaking to myself as much or more than anyone else. We are to follow that which is good, both among ourselves as the church, but also to all men, to people whether they are in the church or not. In Galatians, I believe, it is phrased this way, do good unto all men, but especially those of the household of faith. We are to be known as a people that do good. Then we see, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Consider that the man who is writing this is most likely in some kind of prison or confinement. Paul wrote most of his letters, if not all of his letters, from a prison cell. And they weren't the fancy prison cells that we see today. They were more than likely dungeons that are carved into the ground, and often he was chained between guards. So this wasn't like the Radisson or the Holiday Inn. I think maybe there was one time when it says that he was in prison in a house, so that might have been a little bit better conditioned. But Paul is still saying, despite his suffering, despite his struggles, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. Now, of course, uh, we can't close our eyes and pray every moment of the day, and we don't have time to pray every moment of the day. But I think what it's speaking of more than just the simple act of praying without ceasing is it's saying, have an attitude of prayer always. Have an attitude that says, when I come up against a challenge, my first reaction is to pray to God because we have an open line of communication all day long. And of course, I think all of us would say that we would do well to dedicate ourselves to more prayer. Um, and I think that would be a good aspect to add to our faith walk in 2024, to be more purposeful about the prayers that we pray and to watch God answer them. And then it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. This was actually a turning point passage for me because the first nine years that I was in a wheelchair, I did not feel like thanking God for my wheelchair or thanking God in the circumstance of my wheelchair. I really was bitter against God for giving me the wheelchair, for making me crippled. And I would often say, God, if you would take away my crippledness, then I could serve you. But until you do, we don't have anything to talk about. And the reality is that God was simply waiting for me to fully surrender to him and allow him to do through me which I, what I could never do myself. And so this idea of in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's not saying that you need to be happy about everything. Um, I don't think Jesus was happy about everything. Uh, you remember he was weeping over Jerusalem, and he's like, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how much would I like to protect you? Again, this is a paraphrase. I would like to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wing, but you would not. So, there were times when Jesus wasn't happy. He sweat drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane for us. He asked God if there was any way that this cup could be passed from him, but he knew that it couldn't. And so he said, ultimately, not my will, but thine be done. He understands what it's like to be tired. He understands more than you and I what it's like to be frustrated. 
with people that don't understand what he's trying to do for them. You know, we would do well when we get frustrated with others to think about the many times that we have frustrated God because I'm sure that as much as we roll our eyes at frustrating people down here, that God does his fair share of that up in the sky as he watches us go through our daily life. But fortunately, he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust and he loves us anyway. And I am so thrilled uh, by that. And I am looking forward to continuing in this series this year. And I'm just so excited to have you along for the ride. If you have any input on this topic, please feel free to share it with the contact information that will roll at the end of the show. I just want to very quickly review with you the aspects of considering one another that we talked about today. So the, the first one was that as we consider one another, the biggest thing we need to do is have the mind of Christ and realize that he was putting others first the whole time he was on the earth. And we know that Jesus is still putting others first because he's interceding for us at the right hand of the throne of God. And I just always think, when I think about Jesus interceding, I think about the cross. Because while he's on the cross, his thoughts are on other people. One of the first things he says from the cross is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And God the Father begins to answer that question or that plea from Jesus right away when he saves the thief on the cross. The thief said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, I want to make something really clear here because I heard a pastor say that one of the interesting things about the thief on the cross is that he would probably get to heaven and he would say, I don't know how I got here. I just know that Jesus said I could come. But the reality that we see in the story of the thief on the cross is that he realized who Jesus was and realized who he was in the shadow of Jesus. And because he accepted who he was and he realized who Jesus was, he reached out to him on that basis and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then we see Jesus caring for his mother. Jewish tradition tells us that the oldest son would be in charge of taking care of his parents. And so he did that for his mother and gave her into the care of John, even while he's hanging on the cross. So even as he's doing this spiritual battle, this divine battle between good and evil, he is caring for his mother. And that just shows me of the watch, care, and love of Jesus. So, as I said, we talked about Today, these three aspects, having the mind of Christ. Do you have the mind of Christ? Do I have the mind of Christ? This is something for us to consider and to dedicate ourselves to, to pursuing the mind of Christ. The second thing we talked about is to welcome others in Christ's name. Are you a welcoming presence to others as you walk about in the community? Am I that? We should all be that. People should see the difference between us. We should let our lights shine. And then finally, we talked about sharing Christ's words. Christ had a lot to say in the Gospels. If you look at the Gospels, there are large sections of the Gospels that are in red. If you have a Christ words in red edition. And that just shows us that there's a lot of good and loving things that we can share with others. Now, sometimes love means sharing not so pleasant things. We are told to share the truth in love. And indeed, 
Jesus did. He wasn't afraid to call people out, but his purpose was to draw them to himself. So as we consider these things, these three things of having the mind of Christ and welcoming others in Christ's name and sharing Christ's words, I trust that 2024 will be a great year of revival among us as individuals and that it will affect the communities in which we reside. And even though there is great darkness around us and great animosity toward the things of God, we know that as life gets darker, we need to shine brighter. And I encourage you to pursue that this year. Well, that's about all I have time for on today's show. But I just want to encourage you again to reach out with the contact information that's about to run. I really want to hear from you, your feedback on this series. Maybe there's something that you think I should include that I didn't mention. Or maybe you have an idea for a future series of episodes here on Speaking for Him. Or maybe you just need some prayer or encouragement. Whatever the case may be, please reach out and I would be glad to hear from you. With that being said, I will simply say, have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.